Hey guys, and welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report presented by Great Days Outdoor Magazine, the first podcast to bring you the local fishing report for Alabama's lakes and rivers, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. I am your host, Brian Sand, joined by co-host Stephen Wisdom. What's going on, Stephen? Man, you've been uh, been wide open this week, huh? You know me, man. I'm always wide open, been on the road, but been doing some fun stuff it it was all around the context of fishing and you know me and fishing we get along quite well but it was hot it's hard to film stuff during the summer because especially on the eastern time zone because i was over in georgia because it gets light really really early and it gets dark really really late and your best filming as far as a light standpoint for cameras first two hours a day last two hours a day and that made for some long, long days. And what so, were you? What were? What is this for? What were you? Well, it's a little. It's, I mean, can we talk about? We it? can talk about it. I mean, we're we're working on a project down in South Georgia at a new fish hatchery. As you guys know, uh, I, I own a deer feed company, but also am a national sales manager for a new fish hatchery for largemouth bass. And the hatchery is very research driven. And so we are actually uh, breeding bass through a pedigree program. We're basically breeding bloodlines in bass, just like you would in a dog or a horse. And so, you know, coming out in 2021 will be uh, a new bass called the Titan Bass, where we have chosen certain families of bass to spawn. And so it's really research data driven. It's pretty amazing. Um, what I get to be a part of and see every day is just mind blowing. So we were down there filming, you know, filming the facility and you know, so we can create some marketing and media material to, to, to come out with to basically tell the world about this Titan Bass and what we're doing, what we've done, what we're doing, and what we will be doing over the coming years to basically create, to introduce a, a new fish to the industry that we think is going to change the game. Just like buying a world-class duck dog or show horse, uh, we're literally going to be offering world-class family bred largemouth wow. bass that... You know, we're going to have some pretty so, cool things involved in them. What, what is good about this Titan bass? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, obviously, you, they must grow fast yeah. and big. Yep, yep. So, through genetic profiling, so we're, re- we're reading genotypes in these fish. Again, this is some crazy science stuff that – type of stuff I don't talk about every day. I'm usually talking about chicken wings and, you know, how much feed we got made, but – very scientific part of we're genotyping these fish and so you know we take our brood stock what's called brood stock which is basically your breeder it's just like a breeder buck or a breeder doe in the deer industry and we're reading their genetic profile just like if you know i was to read your genetic your blood type to find your lineage your family lineage we're doing that in bass and so yes ultimately we want to we want to create a fish that will grow fast grow big be very catchable disease resistance uh length we're looking for you know genetic markers that have to do with length have to do with catchability have to do with size have to do with attitude and even more so we're we're doing some research on identifying whether a fish is a male or a female as a juvenile so being able to know as a fingering fish whether or not what you're putting what you're putting in there wow because a lot of uh a, a lot of people who are truly trying to you know build a trophy lake on their property a lot of them 
want to use all females because the female fish is the fish that's going to grow the biggest. That's right. And the male fish is actually going to just consume resources within the lake, forage, oh, and, and and be a part of an increased population concept. We, you know, but we, not your trophy. That's right. And so we've talked about that with, with Norm at Southeastern Pond Management before mm-hmm. about – you know, how to keep a lake balanced. And some people, one of their efforts is just putting all female fish in there, but you can't identify a female until it's adult as a fish. Um, so that's one thing that we're, we're doing some research on is, is being able to identify. So some crazy stuff. That's some so, crazy stuff. Yeah. So we were down there filming, filming the facility, talking about what we're doing, talking about our science, talk about our data, what, what we're capturing, what we're seeing, and, and ultimately going to produce a pretty, pretty dang amazing fish and that'd be available uh, 2021 absolutely 2021 so it, it, it and you know the other cool thing we're doing we, i mean we have fish available now but we're not calling them pedigrees yet you got to go through some time so we're selling some really awesome bass right now but the pedigree the titan bass will come out in 2021 but we built an indoor facility so we can actually control the environment and we spawn our fish twice a year wow we spawn our fish in the spring and in the fall and that allows for us to, to have fish, advanced size fish in the spring. In the spring. Where most of the time you only can get your hands on small fish. That is so, really so, cool. I mean, that's enough Scientific of that. That's enough of that. But yeah, stuff. long, long week so far because the hours long travel. Got back in late last night and hit the ground running this morning. And man, let's talk about some, well, let's talk about some real fishing. And, and as you know, we everybody that listened last week knows that I was recording from my house in quarantine because I was a hundred percent sure that i had covid actually found out saturday morning that that i that i tested negative which i'm still not sure i believe but i did get a negative result so we tried to make it over to my niece's wedding in in mississippi and realized that if you get pulled over doing a 104 that that they don't give you a warning They they do go ahead and give you a ticket for ahead. that, and then I did miss the wedding by ten minutes. After all that, oh, and so wow! But the reception was fun. Was fun, so we enjoyed the reception, and I turned around, and drove back, got home at three in the morning. But hey, wow. that's enough about that too. Yeah. I'm feeling better. Let's jump into our first segment with Walker Kent on Lay Lake Walker. Let me ask you, buddy, do you think that some uh, would you like some Titan bass in Lay Lake that maybe spawn twice a year? No, no, they're not going to. No, that. they're not going to do that. But they're going to have some genetics. So they're going to be big. They're superior genetics. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, man, that'd be awesome. I'd like. I got a few farm ponds I know of too. I'd like to sneak some of them <laughs> yeah, in that way. That way I can go over there and really catch them. Not have to share them with anybody. That'd be yeah. that'd be the way to do it. You put them uh, away like uh, they probably won't last too long. People will find out about it, and it'll be like Gunnersville on on the Coosa River. Uh, that's exactly <laughs> right. Exactly right. Well, man, we appreciate you joining us today. And and before we get into the fishing, I don't know if you guys remember on here that uh, we had a we had a prayer request for Walker several weeks ago. He had been on as a guest before he's a fire fireman here in in shelby county and in chelsea alabama where we're at and had a had a pretty pretty traumatic incident broke your back right i did yeah i broke uh i broke my back in four places actually l2 l3 l4 and l5 so basically just my whole lower back got got beat up pretty bad but i'm uh i'm getting better now i'm about 75 percent healed so 
I feel pretty good. I've been able to fish fish them the past couple of weeks, so I'm getting getting back into the swing of things. Well, good man. We're so glad that you're uh, the back out there, back out fishing and and uh, doing things. And uh, man, that's a that's a scary scary deal. That could easily go the other way. So, well, man, what? Uh, thank goodness. What happened? Did, yeah. I mean, are the hoses just getting too heavy for you? I mean, what? what yeah, down? yeah. No, it actually wasn't even a fire related call or injury. We had a we had some bad weather. It was back in April. It was on April. April 23rd, we had some real bad weather that morning, like a bunch of straight line winds and trees were falling on houses and stuff like that. So we actually went to a house. A lady had had a tree fall on her house and she only had one way in, one way out and the tree had fallen over the door so she couldn't get out. So we got her out of the house and we were actually out in the yard about to leave and another tree in the yard adjacent to the the tree that had previously fallen just out of nowhere snapped in half and fell and actually fell on me and one other girl so it was just Mm -hmm. uh i mean i saw it coming and it was a big oak tree probably it was probably i don't know 60 feet tall i mean it was a big one and i saw it i heard it crack and i saw it start to fall so i tried to run but i guess i i zigged when i should have zagged and it it caught me pretty much right on top of me so golly man I'm fortunate. I'll take I'll take a broken back on what the outcome could have been. So yeah, I'm, a, I'm gonna make a I'm gonna make a hundred percent recovery. It's gonna take it'll probably take a year or so before I'm back to you know a hundred percent full strength, be able to do whatever I want to do. But it's been four months now. It doesn't seem like it's been that long, but it's been four months, and I'm I'm a heck of a lot better. I went about two months there where I couldn't even walk. So, so wow, I'm, uh, man. Well, thank I'm, you for, your, glad to be for what back. you do out there, man, for your service and for, for protecting and, and, and taking care of the rest of us. And, man, we're glad, glad you got a, on, on the road to recovery and, and back out there fishing. So, man, I, I know you've been back out the last few weeks, and you're mainly fishing Lay Lake and, and Logan Martin some, from what I understand. So, man, tell us about the fishing. And I actually, I've just been delayed the past couple of weeks. I hadn't made it to Logan Martin yet, but the first, the first few trips I went, it was a struggle. I mean, it was, which obviously I hadn't been on the water in about four months. I kind of had to, it took me a little bit to kind of get a, get a beat on what was going on, but it's August. So it's just, it's tough out there right now. August and September are always the toughest months of the year for me. I would rather fish in December and January and 10 degree weather than I had right now. If I, as far as catching fish now, you know, it's miserable both ways, but the fishing is, is really, really tough. You can catch some early. I've been catching a few, actually most of my fish, the first two hours of daylight, obviously. And you can catch some really nice ones. I've caught the past two trips, I've caught really nice fish both mornings on just a hollow body frog. And then after that morning bite, it get, it gets tough. You know, I've gone out deep and drug some stuff around, but all those schools out deep, I feel like they've been fished to death now. So they're, they're broken up and you catch a fish here and a fish there, but the big schools of fish out deep for me anyways, I haven't found a place where I could just pull up in one place off the bank offshore and just sit there and catch, you know, eight or 10 fish at a time. It's one here, one there got to move around a lot to kind of kind of figure it out so you so you say you catching them on a, a hollow body frog first thing in the morning which i love um i actually most of our filming we were doing the fish we were catching just to insert into the film was was two on a frog and uh, i love a good frog bite but you know one of the things I'm, I, I i always intrigues me is getting that frog bite this time of year what do you think triggers that because it's kind of it's kind of against the practical thinking of 
why the fish would even be in an area where you could throw a frog this time of year. And everybody who waters different. I know you're kind of seeing that on Gunnersville right now as well. And, and Lay's got aquatic vegetation more similar than, than probably in its system than any other body of water in the Coosa system like it does up in the Tennessee River. And why do you think you're able to do that? What, what is the, the factor you're seeing that causes those fish to move up in that shallow water this time of year when it's so hot? Right. I feel like, I mean, I'm no, I'm no biologist or anything like that, but from what, what I've seen and what I think, I feel like those fish probably move up there throughout the night and they feed on bluegill and, and maybe some shad and stuff. But I think mainly what they're eating up there is bluegill. And I think they just feed all night long and they're still there and you can catch them that, that first hour or so, maybe two hours. And then I think I've really, I don't know if they just kind of hunker down and don't bite the rest of the day or if they leave and, you know, may swim out to the closest, closest deep water structure, brush pile, ditch, whatever, and just hang out throughout the day. But I also don't think, I don't think there's a lot of oxygen in the deep water when you get this late into summer. I feel like that thermocline kind of get, I, I don't really know what it does, but it, I just feel like it gets all messed up and the fish don't really know what to do either. So some of them will come back shallow late, late in the summer like this, just to where there is some bait at least and maybe a little bit more oxygen because they can get some oxygen obviously out of all that aquatic vegetation. But most of the fish that I'm catching aren't in just like your willow grass, like your coosa willows, what we call it around here, but or even dollar grass. They're mostly just in, I mean, just muck, slime, moss. I don't really know that it even has a proper name. We just call it muck. But everything we're catching is just in that old slimy, nasty stuff. I have, I don't think I've gotten a bite just in, if you ride down the bank on the Coosa River, you see all that pretty green willow mm-hmm. grass sticking up. I hadn't caught a fish out of any of that stuff. So I really think they're just, and that moss, you know, it's really shaded. You got to think it's dark, it's black, and it kind of gives them a canopy, something to kind of hide under. So maybe that water's just, you know, two or three degrees cooler under there. You know, they feel more comfortable under there. But I do know, like this past Saturday morning I was fishing and I was going down through there and I got pretty close to the moss and I got to see and there were two or three bluegill I saw really small about frog you know about the size of just a regular uh, hollow body frog and those bluegill were alive but they were actually stuck in that moss and I stuck my rod tip down there because I thought one of them was dead and I kind of touched him and he shimmied on you know went down back into the moss and I thought that's exactly what these bass think this frog is coming across you know, the top of this moss is one of those bluegill. So I think yeah. that's why they're there. I know the last time we spoke, and it was several months ago before your accident, the swim jig bite was on and you were loving it. And, you know, you're like, I'm exclusively throwing a white swim jig. Color is always something that is up in the air. But you, on your frog, your hollow body frog um, bite, which the reason we say that, guys, is obviously there's a lot of different types of frogs. We want to paint a good picture. Are you sticking to a color profile there, like the same deal as white? Because, like, when I was catching, we were, I mean, I threw a black one. And because I'm the fan, I'm the guy on the side who's like, man, I don't really think color matters when it comes to, to topwater bait. But I was throwing a black one, and I really wouldn't get bit. Put a white one on, and they started smashing it. And so right. you just don't ever know. But for you, are, are you sticking to a certain color, or does it really matter uh, in that thick, slop stuff? I think it probably matters, and I, you know, if you look in my frog box, because I've probably got a hundred frogs, and I've got mainly three colors. I've got a white one, black ones, and then a bluegill color. And everything that I've been, I usually start with black because uh-huh. it's always early, early. You know, it may still be a little bit dark even. And right. Black is my go-to. So that's my favorite frog of all time. Is just a black. I really like a 
popping frog, hollow body popping frog, yeah. but you can't throw the popping frog as well in the muck as you can just a regular, like a spro, mm-hmm. just a normal yeah. uh, hollow yeah. body frog. So that's what I've been starting with. And I've caught a couple on the black, but it's still been pretty much dark. And then when it gets up, you know, maybe 6, 6.30 in the morning and the sun starts to get high, I'll swap to like a brim color, but I haven't even I haven't even varied from those two. That's just what I've had tied on, and that's what I've got confidence with. So that's what I've gone with. I will throw a white frog a lot, but I'll throw that kind of in that same shad spawn time, like when we talked before. And I'm throwing the white jig, I'll throw that white frog some too. But right now, it's pretty much a black color, and then just a bluegill. That's pretty much all. And I, you know, I'll throw it for two hours or so in the morning, then I'll put it down, and I may. I may pick it up throughout the day if I just come across something. I'm like, man, that, that looks like, you know, some good some good moss or some good muck, and I'll throw it. And I've caught a lot of big fish like that up in the day, but I just haven't lately. You know, I mean, I've, I've done it a lot in the past, but the past few weeks I haven't caught anything, you know, after the first probably hour and a half, two hours after daylight. Now, on are, the they, are they working, I mean, are you working the edges of that, that muck, or are they coming up blasting through the middle of it? No, they're coming, I haven't caught anything out on the edge. Everything has been in the muck, and a lot mm-hmm. of them have been far back in the muck. The biggest fish I've caught, I caught Saturday morning, is about a five and a half pounder. I threw it out there in the muck, and I actually had a buddy of mine with me that doesn't fish a lot, and I was kind of explaining to him how to work the frog. I threw my frog out there, and I turned and looked at him to start kind of telling him what to do, and one just, you know, five and a half pounder smashed it before I ever even, I mean, I didn't even twitch the frog yet, and he mm-hmm. he blasted it. So, and in years past, I've got a lot of frog bites this time of year, so far this year, which I've been out of it, so I haven't, mm-hmm. you know, I've made probably five or six trips in the past two weeks, and I haven't found an area that's just loaded with fish, and I'm sure there is somewhere, but I've been getting anywhere from six to eight frog bites you know the first two hours of the morning so not super slow but it's not just wide open catching them every cast either so, so y'all are talking about you mainly fishing like the the type frog you're fishing there's hollow frogs and there's solid frogs mm-hmm. is the fishability different on the two do you use each one in a different situation mm-hmm. why one over the other well, I'll, I'll explain the difference, and then I'll, I'll I'll let Walker tell the folks when he likes to switch switch it up. But the solid frog is usually it's a you, it, it's usually all about its legs kicking, and so it's a cast and reel. You, you're not stopping; it's just running across the water. Where the hollow body frogs, it's you're twitching it, you're stopping it, and it's more of a stop and go deal. But you know, Walker, do you do you prefer one over the other in certain situations? When would you pick up the typical solid body frog where it's really more about you know you're almost running across the water like a buzz bait yeah, like right. an old I was school say, buzz like bait, a buzz bait style um, yeah. which obviously the, the hollow body frog really is probably the most popular but there's there's still room for the other one walker do you ever do you ever kind of go back to the solid body frog i will i'll throw the solid body frog a lot you know when the fish are really active and you need to cover a lot of water then i like that solid body frog because you can just cast like you said you can cast and wind it in you can cover a lot of water. So in you know in the spring, kind of that same swim jig, buzz bait. Anytime you're catching them on a swim jig or catching them on a buzz bait, something like that, you can usually catch them on that solid body, that swimming frog too. I'll probably start throwing it some maybe mid October, something like that, when the water starts cooling off some. But it's just you can throw them both in the same places. I just feel like that hollow body frog is just a little slower presentation and you can leave it where you want it. You can leave it in the strike zone where you think those fish are for longer than you can that solid body. That solid body 
you got to keep it moving or it'll sink. So or it'll sink, right. Good. Right. Well, I know this time of year it is tough, but you know, and you can still have, have a little bit of fun the first, you know, two hours of the day. But what hope is there after that? I know you said you're trying to catch a few out deep, but it ain't really – you really have to – running gun to do it i mean what what suggestions would you have after that sun gets over the tree line and you know do we pack it up and go home and go get us a you know a chick-fil-a biscuit or do we uh do we what what, what should we do <laughs> keep grinding it out i mean if you if you don't have anything else to do you might as well stay out there and try to figure something out i mean even when it's hot like this you can still you can always learn something so i mean i've caught some fish deep i haven't really caught anything any big fish out deep everything's been in that kind of two pound and a half to two and a quarter pound range and i haven't been able to catch anything like early in the summer you know june even first of july you can catch them really good on like a big zoom magnum you know just a magnum big worm or big crankbait stuff like that i haven't got anything to bite anything that's big or anything that's moving everything that i've caught has either been on just a regular you know shaky head with a with a trick worm on it or a, a bigger shaky head with like a zoom magnum trick worm. Mm-hmm. I have caught some fish on that too. I haven't caught anything on a really big bait. I've had to kind of downsize a little bit. I think it's because all that stuff's been so fished through, mm-hmm. but I have caught a few good fish in just some isolated pieces of cover, maybe six, eight feet deep, just, you know, like one, if you pull up somewhere and you find there's one log mm-hmm. or something like that, you can fish or, a Christmas tree or something like that, which those kind of things are, are really hard to find unless you just know, hey, there's a one single isolated piece of brush right over here. We can go make five casts at it. And you might catch one there, but you probably, you know, it's going to be a good one to, you know, two and a half, three and a half pounder, but that's going to be the only fish there, you know. And one thing that I'm probably going to try this weekend when I fish, I'm not going to be able to fish again probably until Friday, but I'm probably going to concentrate a little bit more on some boat docks because that's one thing I haven't tried and would probably be, you know, a good place to catch a few fish right now too. You might not catch a lot of big fish. I, I don't really know. Fish are so scattered right now, it's hard to really pinpoint one thing to do i think you can catch them a bunch of different ways it's just whatever you want to however you want to catch them you're gonna have to stick to it and just really grind it out and know you're going to catch four or five fish is probably going to be a a pretty decent day right now just for your average person going fishing i feel like if you could catch five or six fish then that's a pretty successful day it is for me anyway it's just tough this time of year. It is. It, really it is. is. It is. It's very tough. Now, it is really tough, but if you can get a day where we get a little bit of rain and overcast and the wind blows, then it can be totally different. I mean, you can go out there and have a, a day catching them shallow on a buzz bait or that hollow body frog or anything you will, you want to throw. But it's just, you know, unless you get that perfect storm of a good cloudy rainy overcast day then it's just really hard to catch them right now well if you're gonna give us a tip what would what would your tip of the day be for somebody that's gonna come fish uh lay late in the next couple days or next week or so well first of all i'd say bring plenty of water because it's hot and you need you know bring bring plenty bring plenty to drink if you're gonna be out there very late but i would say get there early that's pretty much the same tip I gave last time, I think. But, I mean, even right now, that frog bite, you can you can start fishing at 4 a.m. You can start fishing an hour and a half before daylight and catch some fish before it ever gets daylight and then fish a few hours after daylight. If it gets hot, 10 o'clock or so, just pack it up, head to the house. You can fish from 4 a.m. to 10 a.m. and get six good hours in. And, you know, that's probably the best fishing of the day anyways. So that would be 
that would be my advice to kind of beat the heat would just be be fish early you know get there real early a couple hours before daylight and that lay it i mean you can put in at beeswax or paradise point or even at the public launch down the river and you don't even i mean you can start frog fishing right around all those places so if you're uncomfortable running the boat before daylight and you can just put your boat in the water and pretty much go fishing around any of those boat ramps and they're all some of the best areas in the whole lake to fish anyway so that's not a bad idea well, Walker, thank you, man, for hopping on today. And again, glad you're on the road to recovery and, and getting back out on the water and making a few casts. And uh, we appreciate your your sharing some of your thoughts and information about lay, and so our listeners could uh, just get a leg up when they go. And I think we all know when when guys have a little bit of information, or it it builds confidence. And when it builds confidence, people are more willing to get out and go. And one of the keys to Alabama, and it's it's freshwater fisheries it's just you know people going and spending money and i know all the local uh commerces appreciate it so thank you for being willing to share a little bit that, uh, to our, our listeners so that they can get out on the water and catch a few man and we look forward to having having you on again soon absolutely man and uh i look forward to to uh meeting up with you and going to going to what a hook sometime myself uh we're right here right here close to each other so we need to make that happen we may wait till it's a little better, a little cool, little little cooler. This might be a fall. That's right. Well, that's the difference. That's right. We might wait till fall when they start. Getting yeah, I'm a fair fish. weather. I'm yeah. a fair weather fisher. That's right. That's, that's right. That's right. That's, hey. the, that's the difference between me and, and Brian. See, I'll go any day, all day. <laughs> that's Brian, right. Brian wants to wait till you know. Yeah. When, I, when you got seven, yeah, kids, you got to pick your time. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm I just can't go anytime. Yeah. I got, I got to be. Specific. That's right. Hey, if you've only, if you've only got limited days to go, you want to make them count when you go. <laughs> exactly. You don't want to, you don't want to waste them out there sweating and not catching anything. You might as well wait till they're biting. that's right that's right all right buddy well we appreciate you man stay safe out there and uh and we look forward to talking to you again soon buddy okay man i'll do it i appreciate y'all having me y'all have a good rest of the day rest of the week thank you man bye all right man bye all right well that was a uh man always good to hear from from walker uh, like we said at the very start of his segment, we're we're just man thankful that he's he's out there fishing with what he went through, and and glad he's back on his feet and and able to go fishing and call in and give us some reports. Yeah, absolutely. It's always a scary thought to know that you're out there serving the community and come pretty close to losing your life, you know, or being paralyzed for the rest of your life. And so glad he's back on his feet and and catching a few fish, catching a few frog fish. We all love that. We all love know? that. Which if we're going to talk about frog fishing, which I don't think it's quite there yet, but let's find out. Let's jump over to our next segment with Jim Leary up on Lake Gunnersville. Jim, you with us? Hey, guys. How you doing, man? Doing good, doing good. Have you uh, you been out guiding today? I have. It was a little little slow start, but things got real good. Seemed like we need a little bit of sun to get things going right now. That's interesting. Yeah, you know, we've been having the sun's making the bite a little better right now. And the only thing I can chalk it up to is they're in that starting that fall transition already. Because September out here is usually really tough, and I think we're starting to see the beginnings of it. Yeah, that's that's amazing. That's why I I, I love doing this report <laughs> and, and being able to talk to people all over the state in different bodies of water because we just got off the phone with a guy down on, in the Coosa system on, on Lay who the morning bite is only where he's getting bit and then once that sun gets up it's, it's over. done. Yeah. It's a totally different system hmm. and like I mentioned he's catching them on a frog in the mornings and then it's done and we all know that the frog bite on Gunnersville really starts to get 
great in the fall, but probably still too early for that. Uh, how are you catching your fish right now on Garnersville? What is it looking like? I imagine, I imagine the frog bite's not quite there, or am I wrong? Uh, you know, the frog bite's been fading in and fading out for the last two months. You just have to hit it right or be in the right area for them. But I, I still think we're about a week or two out before we can actually start really depending on that bite, you know, for a guide trip. Mm-hmm. Most of the way, you know, like I mentioned, you know, I think they're transitioning and it's just starting. We're covering water to catch them and we're, we're using swim bait. Basically, you catch one, you're going to catch several. Then you got to keep hunting. So basically, they're kind of holding yeah. on the same kind of deal. But for the most part, they're just when you find them, you find them and you, you catch them, you know, maybe 10, 10 to a spot then move on. That's awesome. What type of swim baits? I mean, you know, there's so many different kinds of, you know, just like we were talking about in the last segment, we were talking about hollow body frogs versus solid body frogs. So, I mean, what what type of swim baits are you throwing? I'm not trying to plug my buddy, but he mm-hmm. he's making he's been making swim baits for a long time, but he just now went public with them. Like he's selling them like at Waterfront has them. They're called B, Big G Tackle, and he gave me a whole bunch of them. I'm like, okay, let me try them. Mm-hmm. We're rigging them with a belly weight, and we're swimming them through the grass, and uh, they hold up. Yeah. That's the biggest thing when you're guiding. You need baits that hold up because you go through a lot of them. Mm-hmm. So but it's real not, durable. And go ahead. Sorry. So it sounds like it's a it's a plastic swim bait, uh, not a hard body it swim is. bait, a jointed swim bait. It's a solid solid plastic plate that you're rigging. With it's hand poured. Yeah. Yeah, they're hand poured. He can make any colors, but the colors he gave me, you know, the most of them are you know shad with some purple hue and blue hue in them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're throwing the four-and-a-half-inch ones. You know, they're small. Like I said, when we get around them, they're eating them. That's right. Do you feel like the four-and-a-half-inch swim bait is really kind of showing out because of the time of year and that it's a kind of a grind and these fish have really kind of been worn on for several months? Or is it just – is it the forge size right now, the size of the bait? Why do you, why, why do you think the four-and-a-half-inch one is doing so well? I probably I'm gonna chalk it up to a couple of reasons. One is it's it's that time of year when things are like you said they've been beat on. Mm-hmm. They're educated, and you know, two, you know, we don't have a whole lot of big big shad for some reason, and, and when we do, they're only in certain parts of the lake, and you mm-hmm. you can find them there year long, but then they they'll be somewhere else next year. And I, I think they feed on a lot of that the thread fin, which is you know that three to five inch size. And uh, the other part is I can throw have customers throw them on spinning tackle. That's the yeah. other part about it. That's nice. That's great. Yeah. Now, are you fishing this and 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 uh, you're fishing this in the grass, right? Yes. What about the, grass. and and now are you fishing the 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 grass uh, the majority of the day, or is this something you're fishing first of the day and then moving out to deeper water and fishing ledges, or we're fishing. Well, we've been start. We've tried top water a couple of times. You know, some days we hit it just right and we catch them. And, you know, other days it's not. But then you pick the swimmer up. You can cover the water and find them. And we'll do as long as we can. But like today, with that sun getting up, I think they got to see it better. You know, we started catching more there as the last part of the day in the last hour, and it was it was pretty good. But we have had to back off some and slow down, get the jigs out. You know, bring down the the ledges. You out there in the eighteen to twenty two foot, and we'll. we'll we're not catching a lot of numbers doing that, but, you know, we're catching quality fish doing that, but it's a slow bite. You know, it's amazing to me, and, and I guess what, Stephen, a month, month and a half ago, and when we had guys calling in, the fish had all moved out. They were schooling in uh, 15, 20 foot of water, 
and, and people were just, that's all they were looking for were schools of fish on deep, in deep water. And is that typically not an all summer event? Is it this time of year? Is, is the, do the schooling, the big schools of fish in the deeper water, do they just get less active and bite less or do they start moving to different areas? I mean, because I would think that if they were schooling in deep water, it'd be, it'd be that way and, until the water started cooling off. Yeah, I mean, I'll answer it on a high service, and I'll let Jim kind of talk about what he sees on Gunnersville because it is, it is a pretty crazy transition that happens there. But in general, they're you know they're going to come out of their spawning season and, and go back out to deeper water and, and and school up, and that's where you began to see finding schools offshore throwing crankbaits in in June. <laughs> But then they really start kind of getting beat up and caught and scattered. And, and as Jim mentioned, they go through this transition period. And, and even even our last caller talked about how the fish are very scattered. And even Jim has referred to already in, in our segment here where you, when you find them, you catch them, but you got to go, go, go. And then, uh, you know, the shad will start to school up again as the temperatures cool down. And the fish will start to kind of chase those 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 uh, schools of shad, but Jim, like, tell us a little bit deeper than that about this transition of because you do kind of see this they're they're in they're grouped up they're in schools and then they're not and then they're back in schools again come fall and we're probably kind of in that time where the offshore schooled up fish have really just dissipated. Is that the is that the case? It's one hundred percent that case, and and then you got to add in the the thousands of acres of grass we have that they can get into and you can't see them on your graph so that adds even more to it like they just they don't have to really get grouped up right now they can just hang out in a hole in the grass and 10 foot of water and eat when they want to mm-hmm. that makes it tough because there's not a competition going on if a bait comes by you can just let it go on by you don't have to chase it down really mm-hmm. yeah when you, go ahead finish that statement well, i was, I was gonna say, say basically like what's going on here just like you said They've been pounded. They've been caught. They've been moved around from tournament. You know, this place hasn't gotten a break, and, you know, they just announced the leets are coming back, so that's going to keep the place beat up again, unfortunately. Then they just, when they get broke up from them schools, I think some of them just kind of like, oh, look, squirrel, and they swim over there and just keep going, you know, following that bait. You know, like if it's shad or whatever, then, you know, more will do that throughout the timing of this fall transition. It's almost like they know they got to start moving shallow you know mother nature deal telling them like hey it's it's time to start moving i don't think i've seen it this early in the year but you know this is 2020 and nothing's normal right (laughs) why why should the fishing be (laughs) do this time of year do do bass do you think they eat less this time of year or are they just an opportunity opportunistic feeder and they're going to feed whenever the opportunity's there or do you think it's like me when i'm outside right now and i really just don't have the energy because the heat sucks it out of you and you might not want to go as hard as you normally do do you think a fish is that way jim or do you think they still feed as much it's just that the bait may be scattered or there may be just i don't know what do you think I really, deep down inside, I, I believe our, our big bass, I'm just going to use big bass to start with. I think they're a lot like a big buck. When they start getting pressure and things start changing, you're not going to see them. The only picture you're going to get of them is at night. And if you see our night picture, not my company, but people out night fishing, you see them on Facebook, they're catching big, big bass. So they're mm-hmm. they're feeding at night more than anything. But to go back to that, I, I think they still feed, but I think their windows are 
like a shorter amount, but I believe they feed more often because I think their metabolism's higher with the water temperature. So they're they're eating more, but I don't think they're eating like we would in the springtime or in the fall when they know they got to feed up for the winter time or feed up for the spawn. You know, they you know they might eat you know in a five minute window. They might eat two or three, four shad, then they're done for a while, and they might eat again a few hours later. But they're not staying put either. I can I can contest to that because I can scan an area and see them and come back and they're gone and i know no one's fished it because i could just be right down the road right down from it have an eye on it and then go over to fish it and they're gone where they go i don't know i know that's frustrating as a guide because the key for you is being able to stay on fish for your clients day in and day out you know as the weeks go by so i know this i imagine this time of year can get quite frustrating for you Uh, (laughs) um you know i know it would be me if i was guiding when they're there they're one minute gone gone 30 minutes later uh, not 30 days later but 30 minutes later so uh, you know outside of throwing the swim baits and 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 even you know pulling back throwing a jig you know i know we talked earlier in the year kind of a go-to was to throw a little drop shot on and 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 downsize and be able to you know catch fish all day long not big fish but catch fish all day long you know can a guy still potentially do that right now is just get real real finessey and and just go after bites or it really doesn't matter right now you're gonna have to grind it out it's a grind either way but when you do downsize you do get more bites when i'm doing that when i'm drop shotting and stuff like that i you know i'm getting away from the grass i'm going down lake you know the brown browns creek area honeycomb you know where there's less grass more rock mm-hmm. and i do better doing it there customers can feel you know the bite compared to the grass you know tangling up in grass I, I try to keep that in mind when you got that kind of caliber of fisherman in the boat. You don't want to have them fighting grass all day and it'd be a miserable experience, even though they may catch the biggest fish ever they've ever caught. But you want them to catch fish and know what a bite is and not just reeling in grass and one time there's a fish in it. Yeah, yeah. So when we do down downsized trips like that, you know, we're catching 20, 30 fish. But they're not gunner, you know, not what people know gunners are for, but once again, that's when you get to know your customer prior to the trip, know what their expectations are, and you do the trip around with what they're wanting to mm-hmm. achieve. Mm-hmm. That's and, good. Uh, so you're saying – go ahead. I'm sorry. I keep ahead. cutting you off. Oh, I was going to tell you about one of the – we just had a spinning rod trip. You know, we've had a lot, but the one last week at a 10th a grader catch his personal best, which was an eight-pounder on a second cast of the day. Wow. <laughs> Man, second cast come out the gate <laughs> well then you then you back up to the week before now this is in july i had a father son and they caught 30 pounds i don't like saying that but in july they honestly caught 30 pounds and five fish yeah oh my gosh they, they had a seven a six and three quarter six and a half a five and a half and a four and a half that was the best five then I weighed other fish that the kid caught. Now, the dad only caught three fish, but the kid caught a bunch, and they were, the smallest one was a four-pounder. So, And he had seven fish between four and four-and-a-half pounds. Didn't matter where I went that day. Like We caught four or five fish off each pot, and they were all nice ones. And just and that just doesn't happen in July. Yeah, I was to say, just complete, like, you have no idea how to replicate that. <laughs> it just <laughs> Yeah, that's it, awesome. It, we caught fish, but it, we didn't have 30 pounds again. I can tell you that. Yeah. yeah. That, was a, that was a special trip right there. That's, that's amazing. 
Well, how, how, you know, every year is different and I know you've been at it for a long time. You know, how long does the transition normally happen or take? And I know 2020 is different, but just giving a guy perspective, because <laughs> there's going to come a point on Gunnersville where it gets really fun again. And, and, and how long is that transition? You listen to anybody that's ever fished here. They know that, that September is like probably the worst month to fish in the Southeast. And uh, just because it's the major transition, it's hot, fish are moving. And I usually tell people like, you know, if you can withstand the heat, we'll catch, we'll catch good fish, you know, we'll frog, we'll flip. But I always like sometime in October when those nights just start getting cold, mm-hmm. that's like, the, that's like the switch. It tells like, Hey, it's the fish know it's time to start doing it. And that's when you can break out the frogs and flip, you can throw a rattle trap buzz baits i mean it just gets so good you just have to figure out what they want that particular time yeah you you catch a lot of big ones yeah that's good that's good well if somebody was going to come up to uh to gunnersville what what would the tip of the day be from you jim i would uh i'd get you a swim bait get you a a belly weight weighted hook like an owner belly weight three eighths ounce quarter ounce Get you a four and a half swim, but four and a half inch swim bait, and just get on on the river ledge where there's not matted grass and fish it. Like you know, around the waterfront area, just up to maybe well, Seabold, not Seabold, but South Saudi starting to get covered up pretty good now. Just anywhere in that general area, all the way down to say the Yacht Club area around Spring Creek. You know that, that eel grass down there works real good. It comes through the eel grass really good and. That's where when you kind of find one, you find a bunch because they'll be around that eel grass and they can see better down there when it's coming, and they sideswipe it pretty good. Good stuff. Now, our, like a, earlier you said bait and cover water. Earlier you said you didn't want to plug you, buddy, but we don't mind that at all. Tell no. tell the folks again what what's the name of the swim bait uh, that your buddy's making? Oh, they could head out to waterfront and a, grab one. It's called Big G Tackle. They're they're priced about the same as all the other swim baits, mm-hmm. but they hold up. That's hey, a big key. Like you can yeah. catch, you can catch ten, fifteen fish off one. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I mean, there's that's always yeah. So, but uh, Jim, tell. I mean, it's a grind, guys. But it sounds like Jim's still catching fish, and you know, you get you a nice cloudy day where maybe it's a little cooler. You can enjoy it a little bit more. But man, if you guys want to go fish, uh, hook up with Jim, and and he'll take you out and get you on some fish, even if it is hot. Jim, how can they get in touch with you? No, they can find us on any social media, Facebook or Instagram, or they can go to my website, which is uh, com. In either of those places, you can see what we've been catching. They're all posted there or on the website. You know, the phone number's on both. You know, there's email access. We're pretty easy to find. Great. You can Google it. We should pop up within the first one or two. Good stuff. Well, Jim, we appreciate it. Uh, always love having you call in here and sharing your wisdom with us and uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. So uh, stay safe out there, my friend. Appreciate the report. We'll talk to you next time. All right, guys. Thank you. All right, Jim. Have a good thanks, day. buddy. All right. Another great segment from Jim. Man, the, the fish are doing crazy things, crazy patterns. It, it's, it's really weird, like you're talking about. We got one guy late, late talking about when the sun comes out, it's over. Then we got another guy in Gunnersville. When the sun comes out, it's on. <laughs> well, let's find out what's going on somewhere else. Well, let's Where go are we Lake, going? Let's go to Lake Martin. Who do, who do we have on Lake Martin? Let's today? go down and talk with Logan Parks, the captain of the Alabama, of the Auburn. Dang, I'm really messed Ooh. up. The Auburn fishing team. 
and uh, I know he's been fishing Lake Martin a, a, a good bit. So, Logan, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for having me. Definitely not the captain of no Alabama fishing team. Yeah, no, I mean, man. Can you believe he said that, dude? Can you believe an Auburn guy actually said that? And he's an Auburn guy. <laughs> what a goob. And I need to take my card away from me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But, uh, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it to be on here. First of all, what's going on with the Auburn fishing team? Yep. And then let's talk a little fishing. So right now, we're kind of it's kind of up in the air as far as being able to fish this fall. Um, as far as we've been told, we're not allowed to fish until at least October 10th due to a travel ban because of coronavirus. And I don't mean to come off as insensitive because there's a lot of people being affected by this virus all around the world. But I think. Like, I mean, talking to two, two guys that know a lot about fishing, there's absolutely no reason why you shouldn't be able to fish at a tournament. The precautions are being taken. Um, they're socially distanced at weigh-ins. It's not something that fans come to watch. You're on a boat all day and pretty much six feet apart from the person on the boat with you. It's kind of a little frustrating for us, but we're, we're trying to see if we can work something out to where maybe we could at least fish uh the national championship so we'll see we'll see what happens in the next few months yeah i'm gonna have to add i want to add to that on your frustration again this is this is a very complex no simple answer thing that we're going through like none other in, in any of our lifetimes but man i've traveled all over the country fishing i've traveled from the tip of florida to the to the Canadian border in New York, to South Dakota, to the Mexican border in, in Texas, and, and and everywhere in between. And the last I checked, uh, I either had me or one other person in the car with me. That's it. And so the idea of a travel band when you're not on a bus full of a bunch of people, you're not. It, it's very easy to wear a glove when you get out and pump gas at the gas station. And then you're going to go sit in the middle of a 60,000-acre body of water. Makes no sense. Uh, Logan, man, I, I'm on your side, dude. That does not resonate well with me. Is this like – Let me add. Go, yeah. Let me add. Yeah. I mean, even the, the Elite Series or even the Major League Fishing, the, the most well-known, greatest guys, if anybody was going to show up to a weigh-in, it would be at that. And people still don't show up to that. So, like – I don't understand the reasoning whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. I don't crazy. either. Is this something that schools are doing all over the country? Is this uh, Auburn decision? Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a tough decision as far as for a lot of universities. I actually put out a poll the other day on my uh, Instagram and it, it was uh, 46% said that their, uh, their schools aren't letting them go. And 54% said that they are. So it's about half and half. You know, I had, about 600 people participate in that poll that, that fish for college. So it's really a lot of universities are doing a lot of different things. No one really knows how to react, you know, because we've never had anything like this ever happen before. So it's tough to say what the right decision is, but uh, we definitely want to fish. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I guess at this point, I mean, the upcoming college tournament that's on uh, Lake Hartwell in South Carolina in, in two weeks, your team cannot participate in that. Yes, sir. We've had to withdraw from that. It looks like we're going to miss out on the, the other rescheduled bass event on Cumberland and then the, uh, the FLW on Gunnersville that's in September. We're going to miss out on it. 
And then I, I was really excited to go to Lake Dardanelle for the Collegiate Bass event October 9th and 10th. That's, that's a place that I really like. We fished it two years ago and we came in 12th. And then this past season, we came in 10th there. So that place makes sense to me. I was really excited about that. Maybe since our travel ban is supposed to end October 10th, we could fish the second day. I don't know. We'll see. So. <laughs> Man, oh, that was goodness. right on the line. That's crazy. That was, that's crazy. Well, and, and you're doing a great job leading and leading well, leading your team. Like we've said, this, this deal is so complex. There's so many right answers and wrong answers. And sometimes we don't know the right one. And sometimes we don't know the wrong one in any given situation with this whole coronavirus. Yeah. And my heart just goes out to all these guys, man. I mean, you know, y'all have created a, a team there at Auburn that is nationally ranked year after year. If not the best fishing program in the country, it's gotta be, I would think in the, in the top couple. And so for, for the hard work that you've got put in and then, you know, here you are, senior year uh, type thing. It's, uh, my, man, I, gosh, Steven, I mean, we both played college ball, man. If somebody would have taken my senior year away from me, it would have, it, it would have been hard to deal with. So, man, like, like Steven said, just keep you, keep your nose down, man. Keep doing the right thing. Keep leading and, and the rest of it will all work out, brother. Yes, sir. Uh, that's, that's all we can hope for, for sure. Definitely hope that, uh, all of this, nationwide gets wrapped up here pretty soon and we can get this thing figured out well let's talk about fishing yeah so we can't travel so we've been fishing sounds like you've been fishing there on lake martin which if you don't know lake martin and the university of auburn are basically right down the road from each other so we haven't been able to travel to fish so we've been hanging home and so you spend a little time on lake martin what's what's been going on lake martin you can go out there and not get run over by all the pleasure boaters they're biting pretty good out there yeah. that's tough pretty, you probably want to stay away you probably want to stay away from that place in the bass boat on the weekends it's been pretty good they're really deep right now from what i've found i've been catching a lot of fish on a drop shot it's doing a, a, a little bit of everything but pretty much all 25 30 35 foot of water offshore schools and, and really deep brush piles there's they're grouped up pretty good i pulled up on one place last week and i sat there and caught i think 14 out of it and there it was probably 50 of them down there then it's crazy Stephen. and there again man it goes back to what we say that we love having this show because Mm -hmm. this is the third caller on the third body of water and this is the only person that's finding schools of fish yeah well it's just again it's crazy but it goes back to one thing you always hear me say here is this how amazing alabama is in general because we have so many fisheries and a lot of them fish differently. I mean, so, you know, Lake Martin is a reservoir. You know, the Coosa River is fed by a spring coming out of Georgia. And the Tennessee River expands over hundreds and hundreds and miles and, and out of the mountains and then down into the, the plains of North Alabama and then back up into Tennessee, which is crazy within itself if you look at it on right. the map. So it, it's crazy. But that's awesome. So you're, you're catching them deep on drop shots and – I think anybody knows anything about like Martin is it can get frustrating catching, you know, 50 fish a day, every one of them being the exact same size. Uh, are you finding, yeah. are you finding any sizes down deep or what, what, what's the schools of fish looking like? Well, back to what y'all were saying about the only one that's finding school and fish. I know just traditionally this time of year, the Lake Martin spotted bass, at least they they like to group up, and the, the blueback herring is definitely starting to take off, and Lake Martin is changing the fishery a lot, in my opinion. 
I'm no fishery biologist, so I can't really answer quite how it's changing it, but the fish are getting bigger. I know that for a fact. You're catching a lot more two and a half, three pound spots. I mean, not just a ton, but it's more often, it's almost getting to where it's like Smith Lake as far as you have a potential to catch some better spots versus going out there and you have five fish for four and a half pounds. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. He's dead serious. Yeah. He is dead serious. Well, no, that's great. Yeah, when I heard that they were starting to let the blueback in, which obviously people can put them in if they want to because it's hard to get caught, but doing the right thing is the right thing. But the state has, has began to allow it to happen and and they because they saw – they first saw how Lake Lanier in Georgia, how it was drastically changed. And then they saw how Smith five years ago, I mean, they started catching giants. And now it's encouraging to hear that it's starting to happen on Lake Martin because they have begun introducing uh, the blueback carrying. It's just a high protein meaty fish that they school up to. And, and uh, it's a fish has to burn less energy, you know, chasing schools of fish and versus trying to run down abram right yeah you know i I saw it just the other day uh on a on a 30 acre lake where the the lake used to have shad in it they've eaten them all up and now they're just eating brim but there is this brim that was by the dock all was there for three days filming by the dock every day the same fish you can tell it's the same fish he spent all day long trying to ambush abram and so think about the amount of calories and energy that fish burn trying to catch abram where when you get these 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 blueback herring schools, these fish can just work. They actually they work together to you know to corral them, and then they just start annihilating the school. You began to be able to put on some weight, and and, and it sounds like that's what's happening. On, it on must the be a big difference, and because you're right, the the other lakes are 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 tribute to what what can change and the weights that can change in these lakes once the blueback or and the herring are introduced, but. You would think a lake like Lake Martin, this lake is giant. It's got shad all in it. It's got bluegill. and You would think that bait would not be an issue, that food source would not be an issue in a major lake that size. But well, it's, there's too many mouths to feed. Cause, for sure. I mean, it's just – it's unfortunate that it, a guy will keep a six, seven, eight, ten pounder every time for a trophy. And he ne- he'll never throw a one-pounder in the live well when he should be throwing 50 of them in the live well on a place like Lake Martin. So you just got so many mouths to feed. And if, if there's not an intentional – so they're natural forage, they're going to suck it up every year. And if there's not this an intentional implementation of adding forage and a forage like a blueback carrying who spawn very successfully uh, and, and, and reproduce very successfully – it's hard to uh, change a fishery and they just noticed uh, they've seen that the blueback herring allows that to happen. And, and, and you're seeing that as well, right? Yes, sir. Absolutely. The weight at Lake Martin, especially in the next couple months will, I think will definitely prove, I mean, there'll be bags over 20 pounds and that's not normal. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like last year, it's, it's getting to the point where it's about that time, probably September, when you definitely want to keep that top water on your deck at all times and they, they'll come up schooling after those blue backs and, and if you're not ready for them, you're going to miss out. But if you can make those casts and drop whatever you're using and pick that rod up and get to them quickly, 
whether it's a fluke or a spook or like a swim bait, you can catch big ones because the big ones are, are right under that bait. I remember we fished the tournament. I can't remember what it was called, but it was on Lake Martin September. It was around September 15th last year, I think. And I weighed the biggest bag I've ever weighed on Martin. We had almost 16 pounds and we didn't even get a check. We came in like seventh place. <laughs> and that's just that's crazy awesome. to me. You know, it took, yeah. took like 19 pounds to win. There was a couple 18 pound bags and, and there, you're seeing like four or four and a half pound spots. And so it's definitely been a huge improvement in my opinion, especially this past season. And I'm looking forward to see what it's like in the next couple months. So when you're going out to Lake Martin, are you going shallow early, trying to get a, a shallow water bite? Then as it warms up through the day, you're trying to move out to deeper. Or are you just uh, what's your approach on Lake Martin right now? I'm pretty much staying offshore all day. I'm sure that there are some places you can go and and maybe get a big largemouth bite early or something like that. But right now, I think the spotted bass are just out there feeding out deep, and I don't. I don't really take the time to try and find anything shallow. I pretty much spend all my time graphing and finding new places like uh, offshore, new humps, new brush piles, rock piles, whatever they want to be holding on because I think those fish bite just as good in the morning as a shallow fish does. Good, good stuff. Awesome, man. Well, we know you got, you're short for time today, and we appreciate you jumping on here and sharing a little bit. Man, best of luck to you as the season unfolds, but – you know, if a guy's going to drop his boat in Lake Martin in the next, you know, this weekend, man, give him one one tip to start. You know, obviously deep, but how's he going to set up? What's he What's he going to use? Just give him one thing to walk away with. I would definitely target those spotted bass offshore that are eating the bait fish. And I know that for a lot of a lot of guys, they may not know like offshore is a pretty broad term. So I I would look like the ends of these really long points. Just anything that if you're looking at a, a topographical map or navionics or whatever, it kind of stands out to you like a, a hump or something like that. And I would focus like pretty deep. I did notice every fish I caught, like literally every single one was throwing up shad when I got them up to the surface. Um, they seem to be about three to four inch long shad. So any kind of whatever your favorite bait is on a drop shot, something shad colored, maybe like a white or like a a white and tan drop shot bait, three and a half, four inches long. And I like a, a three-eighths ounce drop shot weight. I think that's about the right right size to get down there to them quickly whenever you see them on the grass. That's good, man. Well, keep us up to date, man, on how everything transpires. Hopefully the next time we, we talk to you, they've lifted these travel bands and you guys can get back to um, you know representing your university well and, and doing the thing that you love. And, and, and so... Thanks for your time, man, and we look forward to talking to you soon. Yes, sir, absolutely. We had a, a very positive call today, so I think things are looking up for us. So looking forward to getting back on on with you all next time. Sounds Great. good, man. Well, thank you. Appreciate you, and uh, look forward to go Go eat some chicken fingers, man, and we'll talk to you next time. Yes, sir, I'm about to. <laughs> all right, buddy. Take care, man. Thank you. Y'all be good. War Eagle. War Eagle. Good stuff from Logan. We appreciate him getting on, man. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a tough deal out there right now, not just fishing-wise, but with just life with coronavirus and kids are fixing to start back this week. Going to be a strange deal. 
It is a strange, strange deal. Two days a week, rest online. I mean, is there is there not any place <laughs> no, I can send my kids five no, days a week? No pun intended. Rest online. How many kids are going to be just sleeping the three days? Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, there's no way, man. We just got to buckle down, stay positive. Uh, I unapologetically uh, say that I'm an eternal optimistic person, and I'm going to stick to that even in these difficult times. But like we talked about with Logan, it's such a complex thing. So let's just stay focused, be positive, be understanding. And like so many other pandemics that's happened in the history of the world look guys this is not the first time this is something like this has happened it's just the current time but this too shall pass this too shall pass and uh if we stay positive stay focused and really just you know spend the spend this season of struggle you know trying to figure out how to help someone that might be struggling a little bit more than you and i promise you'll look up in this season of your life and, and and you'll have a positive memory not a negative memory if we'll just focus on others around us. But, man, great show. Looking forward to, to next week already. It would be really awesome that if the next time I'm on here, I have yet again fished because that would be three weeks in a row. And that's rare. That's rare for me. It's so good for you, life, man. So. Good for you. Invite a brother to go with you sometime. How about uh, that? The problem is, is the last three weeks or two weeks of fishing, I've had to get in a car and drive about five hours to oh do my it. Goodness. It's all been production-oriented and, and film-oriented, but I'll, I'll take it. I like it. Absolutely, um, man. So. Absolutely. That's uh, that's going to be a wrap for this week, folks. Man, please subscribe, rate, drop us a review wherever you listen to the podcast. If you'd like us to email you the podcast, just head on over to greatdaysoutdoors.com slash AFFR, and we'll send you the show each and every week. With that being said, man, I'm out. You're out, and we will talk to you guys again next week, and we'll look forward to it. Stay safe out there, guys. This week's Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report was brought to you by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. Become a better southern hunter and angler and pick up your copy today wherever fine magazines are sold or save online at greatdaysoutdoors.com. And also brought to you by Southeastern Pond Management. If you want to grow big fish or healthier fish or just get your lake in better shape, call Southeastern Pond Management. You can call Norman Latona at 205-288-1371 or just look them up, southeasternpondmanagement.com and and give Norman a call. And brought to you by You Do Outdoors. Check out You Do Outdoors on your app store, Google Play. It's a social media app for whatever you you do outdoors. This episode was brought to you by Brian Sand with National Land Realty. You already trust me with your fishing report, so trust me to help you find or sell that next piece of property as well. Just give me a call at 601-383-2344.